ask that you would use the church and that we would, with this Holy Spirit inside, cover the earth with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his message of forgiveness of sins. May the church be known as this harbor, this place where the Spirit of God changes lives. And God, use us in this way. Every single person in this room has been given something by the Spirit to join in the common good for that purpose. And I pray that you would help us to find it. Help us to find our place, Lord. Help us to find purpose. Tonight here, use me as we speak through the word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so if you've got kids, they, we dismiss them now because they've got learning centers uh, in the education center right now. They've got teachers waiting for them. We're dismissing them right now. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Here we are in week three in this series, Elemental, where we've been talking about the fact that you, yes, you, are gifted. So uh, I want to draw your attention to the last movie that you saw. Uh, did you stay to the end? If it, if it was an Avengers flick, you did, right? You, you definitely stayed to the end so that you could find the Easter egg. And uh, then you were there uh, looking at the end credits, and uh, the longest known end credits for any movie, uh, so far as I could find this week, was uh, that for Superman in the 1970s, eight minutes. Uh, if, you, if, you bought the, uh, if you bought the DVD, uh, uh, the long you know, form version for the Lord of the Rings set, uh, it's 30 minutes, 30 minutes, the end credits. Uh, now I bring this to mind because those end credits um, remind us of the gift groupings that we've been talking about for the last three weeks here at AC3. Every movie, like every church, has a, a pretty short list of people that everybody knows, everybody, that can, everybody can recognize, or that everybody sees on a regular basis. And that's like in the movies, it's the cast. So in any movie, you've got the cast, which is actually a pretty short list of people that everybody sees and everybody knows about. The actors, the directors. Then there's the people that almost nobody sees and nobody knows about. Nobody would know anybody's name in, involved in the movie, and that's the crew. So you've got the cast, and then you've got the crew, and they've got these weird titles like uh, Key Grip and Best Boy and Gaffer, and they do all sorts of stuff that you don't know what they do. But you see, though, that there's this incredibly, incredibly long list of the crew that's there involved in the movie, the, that, that last movie that you saw and that you loved. So the first thing that the end credits teach you is that um, the crew is always way, way bigger than the cast. And that's true for almost any movie. John and I uh, just um, watched a film this week uh, that had only two speaking roles in a two-hour movie. Two speaking roles in a two-hour movie, and uh, one of them was Keanu Reeves. So that's a whole lot of, whoa. You know, it's, a, it's like half an hour of just, whoa. Because you know he only has one, one character ever. But even in a movie that was that simple, we, we watched the end credits, and there was hundreds of people. Hundreds of people in the crew in a, in a movie with a cast of only two. So in churches, it's kind of like that. So if you were here last week, we talked about the fire gifts. The fire gifts are those gifts, those upfront gifts, teaching and uh, leadership and all that jazz. And so those fire gifted uh, people are kind of like the cast 
of a movie. The people that everybody knows and everybody sees. But then the church has these people. This week we're calling the earth gifted. And they are in the movie parlance. They're the crew, right? And, and in the church, the earth gifted are like the crew in three ways. One, because their roles are behind the scenes, literally. Uh, they are supporting. They are action-oriented. They are manual. And two, they're like the crew, the earth gifted are like the crew because they are far greater in number than the cast. And then three, they're like the crew, the earth gifted are because we don't often think about them till the end credits. That is to say, in the church, you don't think about the earth gifted until something amazing gets done. Right? The church pulls off another round of weekend services or another round of a, a special youth retreat or another you know, great big women's event or something like that. You don't think about the crew until all of a sudden it's all done and you, it's in the books and you go, wow, what a collaboration that was. And so that's how we should always look at the church, AC3. Everything in the church, we should look at it like that. Well, that's just an amazing, enormous, God-directed, God-inspired collaboration. And that's why the way, by the way, that's why Paul sums up God's design for the church with these words. This is our theme verse for this series. We're going to read it every single week. So here it is again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, now to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So again, let's say these phrases to lock them in our minds. Let's say these key, three key phrases together. Say, each one, manifestation of the Spirit common good and there you have it god's design for the collaboration that is to be the body of christ the church in the world should be motivated and built and structured just like this each one manifestation of the spirit common good so the earth gifted are working toward the common good which we said was the reaching and teaching mandate of the church. They are, they are working for that with special God abilities that relate around the practical and the task-oriented, around the creative and the supporting, around the manual and the imaginative. Okay, that's the earth, earthy things. That's why we called it earth. It just fits, doesn't it? It feels kind of inspired. It's not inspired. These groupings are not inspired. But they really work. They really work well. So earthy. Now compare them to the other uh, gift groupings that we've outlined so far and we'll get to the fourth uh, next week so the wind gifts the wind gifts bring a sense of god's power and voice to the church if you're in this group that's what you bring to us the fire gifts bring a sense of god's order and vision to the church and if you're here last week that's what we talked about that, that those leading gifts the water gifts we'll talk about next week bring a sense of god's care and nurture to the church and this week, the earth gifts bring a sense of God's creativity and work to the church. So, what are these individual gifts? Let's talk about them, and then maybe as I'm describing them, it'll help you identify them a little bit, and uh, we'll do some homework on this too that'll help you along the way. So, here's the first of the earth gifts, the gift of helps, and clearly the guy in the drama uh, tonight, right? That, that was his gift, and he lit up. When his gift was channeled, when he, he had an offering that, that, could, that said to him, you could contribute just how you are. Not how someone else is, not how someone else is wired, not how someone else is gifted, but you could contribute just the way you are. And the guy lit up for the first time realizing that maybe service didn't have to be drudgery. 
The gift of helps is like this. It's that divine strength or ability to work in a supportive role for the accomplishment of tasks in the church. And so here's what I've noticed. People with the gift of helps, it's a spirit ability. So there's an uncanniness even to this, the most, you might say, the most manual and basic of all the spiritual gifts. There's an uncanniness about it. Because people who are gifted with the gift of helps have this ability to see a need that others don't and then be motivated immediately to go and meet it. That's just, and you just see them doing it. They just, they see it, they meet it. The gift of helps. There's an early example here in Acts. In the book of Acts, the Bible has a, a woman named Tabitha named, and, and the Bible says she was known as gifted in helping others. So uh, in Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, which by the way is translated gazelle, Uh, She was full of good works and acts of charity. So not specifically mentioned as having necessarily this this gift, but Dorcas is certainly exhibiting this ability in a way that stands out to others. In fact, so much so that upon her death, which is described graphically, the death isn't described graphically, but things around her death and events are described there in the story, uh, that village that she served so well with her gift of helps, many came to faith in Christ because of a person with the gift of helps. Then there's a gift of administration. So the gift of administration is this divine strength or ability to organize multiple tasks or to uh, organize a bunch of groups together to accomplish these tasks, to bring structure out of chaos and to love doing it. And that's the other thing you notice about people with the gift of administration. So do you have the gift of administration? If so, then you think like this. You think, I like to organize stuff. I like to organize events and ideas and people and resources and time. That, that, makes, that makes me happy. Like you're the kind of person who could look at an at a, at a, a unkept group of file folders and say, could I, could I fix that for you? I mean, you're that person, which to me, that's a wonder. So you are, you are a walking miracle. You're a clear evidence of the Holy Spirit alive on planet Earth, the fact that this gift even exists. Because to me, it's entirely supernatural. When, it, when a project I'm working on is disorganized, do you say, send me? I, I like that. I, I, you, you jump into the gap when there's chaos. Like, you just, can, can I structure that? Uh, you enjoy the process of ordering something that's in disarray as much as you, you like the end result. In other words, you like things structured and ordered, but you like the process of fixing things that are disordered almost as much as you like to look at the finished product. And here another early example in the church. If you look through the book of Acts, you see all the spiritual gifts in action. And so in uh, Acts chapter 6, the elders of the first church were in a deep uh, state of uh, panic. Uh, well, panic's probably too strong. They were overwhelmed, and for good reason. They were 120 people sitting around in a room for about a month and a half, and just a lot of prayer and a lot of just wondering about what God's going to do, what he's up to. And on the first day of the church, the Holy Spirit descends, and now they go from a church of 120 to 3,000. Now, just think about the administrative nightmare that that would be. Now, there's, there's energy, right? So it's being supported by the energy of the, the fact that they are this countercultural little movement inside of downtown Jerusalem. And the Jews, by the way, are gathered from all over the Roman Empire. So the synergy is off the charts. It's pretty amazing. But pretty soon, it's a bunch of sinful humans. They get together and their noses are getting bent out of shape in the distribution of the food. And so early on, they acknowledged that they needed to specialize and divide the labor. And so we read Acts 6, verse 3. Brothers, this is what the elders now talking, the, uh, the apostles. 
Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching ministry. And the proposal pleased the whole company. So they oversaw this distribution problem with administrative types. These are the early deacons of the church, the servants of the church. And, you know, here's the thing. People make sport of administrators. And, uh, you know, we get this quite a bit at AC3, and we have fun at the expense of our administrative types, you know. They're pencil pushers. They're uptight. They're heartless. Uh, you know, insert your comedic punchline here for your, uh, the administrator in your life. But, boy, this early church loved its administrators. The Bible says this pleased the whole company. Like, finally. Like, they had a lot of passion. They had a lot of vision. They had amazing teaching. Right? They had all that thing going on, but there was disarray and chaos in the camp. So they're super excited about administrators. Yes, finally, someone to push the pencils. Someone to organize the files. Someone to make an unfair process fair. And that's what they did. These organizers, these administrators organized, systematized, inserted processes that made an unfair situation more fair so it was a beautiful example of that gift then here's craftsmanship so you might have this gift if you are a person who has that divine ability to um, forward the kingdom of god through creative acts so acts of creativity in all sorts of areas such as carpentry graphic arts painting baking sewing uh, those who implement this gift produce a spiritual response. Here's what I've noticed. Is that this is what's uncanny about it. Is the, the result of their creations is inspiration in the general population and glory to God. So it's an amazing thing when you see people engage in craftsmanship. And, and in case you wonder if this is also too practical, you'll think that about all the earth gifts. You'll say, oh, this is just too practical. Helps, are you kidding me? Administration, craftsmanship. Listen, this is a spirit-driven thing. And the great example of that we have is from the Old Testament that specifically connects craftsmanship with a Holy Spirit-inspired ability. Listen to this. This is from Exodus chapter 31. God says to Moses, See, I have called by name uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. Huh to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's really super cool. Your ability, Christian, and I'm talking to you now, craftsmen, those, you spirit-gifted craftsmen or woman, your ability to make, create, build is as much a sign, a manifestation of the Spirit as is the gift of prophecy as is the gift of healing. Your ability to make and create is as much a manifestation of the supernatural impact of God in the church as is some of these other things that you would say without question. Oh, well, that's God. I mean, there, there's the fingerprint of God when so-and-so did this. Well, that's kind of amazing when you think about it. We look at art, right? And we look at creations and we say, what? That's inspired. And in the church... Truly, that's inspired. Here's another one, creative communication. And um, the spirit given ability to communicate God's truth through visual, written, or performing arts. 
And here's what I've noticed, that people with this gift of creative communication, they strive to worship God, to give God glory, to show the kingdom of God to others, to bless and encourage by bringing peace, the peace of the kingdom through beauty. They have a real emphasis on that. So that's an awesome thing when you think that the church really as a whole brings truth and goodness and beauty to the world and, and creative communicators bring the beauty piece. And it's awesome. You see some Bible examples, again from the Old Testament, in temple musicians. First uh, Chronic, uh, Chronicles 15, 22. Uh, Chenina, the, the leader of the Levites, the Bible says, was the, uh, in music, was to direct the music because he was skillful. So there was a recognition of his special gifting, and the people in the, in, in, um, in the Old Testament Levitical community were chosen for these roles because of their talent, because of their ability. Now again, the direction of this kind of gift towards God is what separates it from merely being creative, right? There's all sorts of people who are not Christians who have wonderful artistic ability and are creative. What separates it from them is the direction of it and the emphasis of it and then the end of it, the end game, which is to inspire others. And excellence in creativity, friends, it always does two things. It inspires people and it honors God. All right, here's the last of the earth gifts we'll talk about, and that's giving. A person with a spiritual gift of giving has the ability to give or, ge- or generate. You notice it uh, manifesting in two different ways. The ability to give or generate resources and material wealth freely, wisely, and with joy to support the church and to meet the needs of others. So this may be lived out by radical generosity or the uncanny ability to discover and channel new sources of money and time and energy for the purposes of God in this world. So do you have this gift? You might. And if you do, the Bible injunction, we read, we read it last week from Romans chapter 12, verse 8. If you have the gift of giving, Paul says, what does he say to you? Does anyone remember? It's really complicated advice. What does he say if you've got the gift of giving? He says, yeah, give. So that's what he says. It's like super complex. If you've got the gift of giving, he says, give generously. So he says, look, look it, uh, you, I'll say to you, is, if this is you, if you can answer these questions affirmatively is it easy for me to approach others and ask them to contribute their resources to a ministry or special project like you don't mind challenging people along those levels and saying look how are you managing the little pot of resources that god's given you in this world that can be a real sensitive subject can it people with the gift of giving i notice don't mind if you ask them that question and don't mind asking you that question that's what i've noticed and a a sort of a sign of that gift in you is that you just don't care you you don't you get through the sensitivity of the resource question just easily because you see it for what it is it's resources to be allocated resources in the hands of the spirit of god do you feel a sense of ownership in ministries and projects that you support um uh, do you have a lot of ideas that help you contribute uh, more financial resources do you handle or manage money well like better than your neighbor, you kind of notice, in order that it actually frees you up so that you live a certain kind of lifestyle and then excess resources can get channeled to the purposes of God in the world. And it's easy for you. Like that's a lesson, again, like all the gifts, you need to carry some part of that gift. You might not have the gift of mercy we'll talk about next week. Everybody's supposed to be merciful, right? You might not have the gift of giving, but everybody needs to give. But maybe you're the kind of person for whom those sorts of lessons, this idea that God owns all the stuff, it's easy for you, and it's always been easy for you. And maybe it pairs in you with the gift of faith as well. And so, 
A Bible example again from the early church, Acts chapter 4, where we read, For there was not a needy person among them. Imagine that. that. Here's a sub-community within the larger culture, and you could not point out a person in that subculture who had an outstanding physical need. Why? Because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as anyone had a need. That's amazing generosity. And it was by people who, who were wealth creators. One of them, uh, you know the name, if you've read the Bible at all, you know Barnabas. Translated son of encouragement was one of those people gifted with the gift of giving. So, just an amazing thing. And you think about how the spirit, how the message of Jesus, how the reaching and teaching mission of the church is moved forward by people with the gift of giving. It's amazing. And you'll never know their names. You'll never know their names. So, what are some of the lessons then? Okay, let's turn, because this is what we've done every week. Let's turn to the lessons for the people in this gift grouping. Because there's special concerns and challenges that every single one of these groups will face, okay? So earth-gifted people, what are your specific um, challenges? You know, the people whose gifts relate to action and work and creativity. Here's a few. Number one, remember, physical gifts still require spiritual energy. And this is hard for you. And I know it is, because I know a lot of people in this group. I know a lot of people in every group. So I know, as a coach, uh, this is what has been difficult. Here's what First Peter, well, Peter will say in his letter, First Peter chapter four, verse ten. He says, "God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another." Verse eleven. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then he ends with a bit of a. Uh, what will happen then? He says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. So Peter here, first of all, recognizes what? That God has given out a variety of gifts, a variety of gifts, which means that there is no list in the Bible that's probably exhaustive, which is why we, you know, that you can maybe say, well, is that thing a gift? Like, uh, it's not specifically mentioned in the Bible. It may be, because there's no gift gift listing in the, in the Bible that's, that's exhausted. There's a great variety of them. But whatever gift you have, it's not fundamentally, Peter says, for you. And so in this way, he agrees with Paul, who says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the, you've memorized it by now, haven't you, AC3? For the common good. For the common good. So he says, to serve one another, Peter's words. So then he says, then he groups the gifts. And he groups them just like we've done in this series. Only instead of four groupings, he groups them into two big groupings. He groups them into speaking gifts and the serving gifts. And so in our breakdown, probably uh, we could say that the fire and wind gifts would go into the first category, the speaking gifts. And then water and earth will go into the serving gifts. And to each grouping, notice he gives an admonishment. To the speaking gifting, gifting group, he says, speak as if God was speaking through you. Like, just recognize that you are drawing people to the very word of God. But then he says to all this other group, this, the, to the service, he says, serve with all the energy that God supplies to what end? Then everything you do will bring glory to God 
through Jesus Christ. Now, this is so important. We've always already been, you know, sort of saying that this earth-gifted group is so practical. They're so hands-on. They're, they're sort of so no-nonsense. And so you might default to think that what you do is the least spiritual of all the gifts. Administrating, helping, giving. Uh, these things are creatively communicating and um, uh, constructing things. Uh, does any of this seem spiritual to you? You make stuff, you build stuff, you write stuff, you resource stuff. All true, friends, and it does seem very practical and very sort of not spiritual. But here's what Peter says. Peter says, when you serve like this and you do all the stuff, the manual stuff, the practical stuff, when you do that stuff, do it with all the energy that God himself supplies. Remember that this is a spiritual act of worship. When you do your earthy thing, it's very spiritual because of who you do it for. And out of what energy you do it from. Will you do it just from your energy? Because, man, you're self-sufficient. Man, you're an earth type. You know, you don't need nobody. You're very practical and all that jazz. God made you that way. That's awesome. But, friend, the admonishment here is you do this with the energy that God supplies. You never act without first making this a spiritual activity. You say, God, is this what you want me to do? God, help me to do this in all of your energy and may it all shine the spotlight on, not me, on you. You notice our green-shirted guy in the drama, right? He's our earth type. And um, uh, he's the least interested in prayer, right, of all four of them. He's the least interested in prayer. He's got his head in, he's the least, he has his head in the clouds the least. And that's because God made him that way to be uh, so practical. But listen, I say to you, helper, administrator, uh, creative, giver, begin all your work in Christ. And then you will find, here's what you'll find. If you begin your work, rather than your own energy, but in spiritual energy, in prayer, you'll find a different attitude, a different sustainability. Let me just pause there for a second. Some of you who are in this earth-gifted group have no problem picking it up and putting it down, and you're hard workers, but then you start realizing no one, no one said thank you. I mean, I, I, I make this place go. Does everybody see? I'm the crew here. Oh, yeah, the caskets, all the uh, applause and the adulation. Great. I'm the crew here. I'm the, the gaffer in this place. You know, I'm, I'm the key grip, whatever that means. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm that guy. And, and, and you'll you start realizing your energy is flagging because of how why you were doing it, who you were doing it for, and out of what energy you were doing it. So this is so important. I want you to look at the phrase again. Do it with all the energy that God supplies. That's an interesting Greek word. The Greek word is choreageo. Choreageo. With all the, with all the energy that God choreageo. What, what English word do you think comes from that? Choreograph, yeah, choreography. With all of the energy that God choreographs. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And again, a beautiful statement. I mean, Paul will have his own, essentially, or this is Peter's own uh, uh, metaphor for how the gifts operate. It's a music metaphor. It literally means in the original, dance leader. <laughs> That's how you break it down into a compound word. It means dance leader. God is the dance leader of the gifts. 
choreographing them perfectly. So can you expect to play your role well, sustainably, over a long period of time if you don't pray and seek God's face and develop spiritually as you work? I don't think so. So you say, well, I'm working. I contribute. I, you know, I'm, I'm not the overly spiritual type. True, all true, fine. But I want you to heed Peter here. Do not divorce your work from the one for whom you are working. And you know, Dan I talked about the men's retreat. And men are, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we are, we're do stuff types. That, and, and listen, there's so much spiritual energy that is uh, built into you when you gather to relationally connect with men and with your God together. And uh, I love the fact that I think we have a unique culture of men at AC3. Men who can get vulnerable and get real and get healed and who aren't afraid to be spiritual men. I think that's awesome. All right, but this relates to a second lesson for earth types, and that is no inferiority complexes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the earth should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. Look, the earth gifted are maybe the most who think of themselves as least important. And so Paul talks about the parts of the body, he says later in the same passage, that are less honorable. What he means by that is less presentable. In In the body analogy, these would be like the internal organs. And so he's saying those internal organs are less presentable to the world for good reason, right? Uh, Both for the sake of the organs, which would die if you presented them to the world, and for the sake of the world, which would puke if they had to look at the organs (laughs) all the time, right? So so it's it's a win-win for everybody. But that doesn't mean that the organs are less important. And uh, for you basketball fans, you know that the formula for NBA teams, you got to have three-star players. If you don't have three-star players, they call it the big three, and every team has the big three. And if you don't have the big three, you do not win a championship. And so you got these classics. I've got some, you know, the pitchers are up there. You can see them, Bird, McHale, Parrish, and uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem uh, Jabbar, and James Worthy, uh, Jordan Pippen, Rodman, uh, Curry, Thompson, Durant, a little more modern example of the big three. And then let me play to the home crowd. Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, and Jack Sigma. Anybody? Anybody? No. no. No one cares about the Sonics, apparently. All right. They're coming back someday, fans. They are coming back. All right. So even non-basketball fans know some of these names. Three players that account on every single one of these teams for more than 60% of all the scoring. But these star players require someone who can pass them the ball. And we call that an assist guy. And every single one of those teams has an assist guy that is not part of the big three who led the team in assists and was a key role in the championship. For the Sonics in 79, it was a guy you might not know of, another Johnson, not Dennis Johnson, not DJ, but John Johnson, the assist leader for that team in 79. Not part of the big three, but vital to a championship. Similarly, friends, earth-gifted people are usually not the star players everyone sees. Instead, they, they work for the assist. And so Paul is telling you it's vital work. It's vital work. Everyone sees the skin, right? And so no one sees the liver. But the liver is a, what do we call it? A vital organ. Because it's doing 
vital work. So Earth Gifted, there is a challenge here against not only the inferiority that you sometimes feel, but also the comparison game that you will sometimes play, even with other Earth Gifted people. Now, I wish I had her gifts, something like that. Like, if only I had that person's gift. But see, you understand that when you say that, you, you, we usually all gravitate toward the same ones, and Paul says, what would the body be like if it was all one big ear? What would the body be like if it was just one big eye, right? And he, he wants you to just imagine how ugly and non-functional that would be. So to ask for somebody else's gifts is to ask for the church to be less productive, to play the comparison game, or to play the inferiority game, friends, is to ask for the church to be less productive in what it's supposed to do. So if everyone has the wind gifts, who leads, who directs? If everyone has the uh, fire gifts, who creates, who acts, who plays, who builds, who organizes? You've got to stop looking over the fence. And then here's a third thing, and then maybe especially for the earth gifted among us, love is always the best action. And so we go to the famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 chapter 12, verse 28. And I will show you an even better way. If I speak the languages of men and angels but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned but do not have love, I gain nothing. I've noticed that the earth gifted are so practical and they do what they do so naturally and so readily that they sometimes don't stop to think about who they're doing it for or why. And this happens in a church like ours. You know, we'll welcome people from all over the spiritual map and we'll offer them great places to just plug in and get your hands dirty and just do stuff and you can jump in almost right away. For example, you can jump into the tech areas where your learned expertise or your gift of helping might immediately plug you in uh, you could jump into building oversight that administrates property money legal issues and you could just be super efficient there and do great work you could get on stage and communicate using the arts and 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 it's excellent and it's inspiring and guess what you can do all of that without love you can do all of that without love without thinking about the next guy in other words building that other person up without thinking about the end game of reaching and teaching. You could just do all that without thinking about any of that, without the motive being love. And let's face it, some areas of service are their own reward. You know, if you love to tinker, uh, managing technology is fun. And it's good that it ought to be. If you like to uh, paint or create, art is its own powerful motivator and reward. But what Paul is saying is it's not enough. It's not enough. And this might be the hardest thing for the earth gifted to hear. Paul says, when you do all of your amazingly practical stuff, and do you see the two things he lists there that are definitely earth gifted things? And by the way, you don't get any more earthy or practical than his examples. Give away all your life and energy and money or sacrificing your body. Those are things earth gifted people would do. And he says, he says you do all that without love. What's the message? It's empty. It's worthless. It does not advance the cause. So the call for all of us, but especially the earth gifted, is this. Do not divorce gifts, your practical gifts, from spiritual development. 
Number two, do not compare your talents to others and let inferiority taint your contribution. And number three, do not act out of talent alone, but act always out of love. And now Dan's going to come and um, give us some practical handholds on how we can take this lesson about gifting and apply it. Dan.